1: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And a good afternoon, everybody. Grant Napier here on Listen Up. I hope you are having a fabulous day Man, do we have a lot going on right now. What a game last night in Los Angeles with the Dodgers and the Cardinals, an instant classic. it uh, It's amazing how baseball is played these days. You have a game that is one the bottom of the ninth inning, and the game ends up 3-1, a combined 12 hits, and it lasts four hours and 15 minutes. But what a great game. And now you get the series that – Really should have happened. I mean, you got the two best teams in baseball going at it, uh, the Giants and the Dodgers. Excuse me, game one is coming up tomorrow. Astros have started their series against the White Sox. They are in the bottom of the fifth. And Houston has jumped out on top uh, by the score of five to nothing. You've got Thursday night football and a good one, the Rams and the Seahawks. You've got the Rams at three and one. Seattle is two up and two down. So a lot going on with uh, baseball. Again, Tampa and Boston, they will play after this first game, and then tomorrow the National League takes uh, center stage with uh, the marquee matchup being San Francisco and the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, Hey, you know the routine. If you want to get on with me, hit that hand icon, raise your hand, and I will get you right on, and uh, we will talk some sports uh, coming up here. Really interesting to look at the impact of that game last night with – the outcry would have been had the Dodgers not won that game, I know exactly what would have been the narrative today. Oh, uh, the wild card's not fair. You win a hundred and you know five games or whatever the case is, and you don't you have to play a one nine inning game and then boom you're done. And hey, everyone knows the rules uh, before you start. So that's just the way it is. All right. The other news today 18 former NBA players all right, are indicted for fraud. How about that? Charged Thursday with pocketing anywhere between 2 to $4 million illegally. They defrauded, allegedly, the league's health and welfare benefit plan. What's amazing about this story is that the combined salaries of all of these players during your NBA career, you ready for this? What, what, what would you guess? Just while I'm getting ready to talk about this, what would you guess? How about over $340 million? I'll give you the exact figure. The 18 players combined to make $343 million on the court not counting outside income, endorsements, or anything else. How about that? But let's go ahead and defraud the league of 2 and a half, three, three and a half, four million $3, dollars million. It's under 4 I mean, how freaking stupid can you be? Seriously. Unbelievable. Um, according to the indictment, the former players teamed up to defraud I guess it was the supplemental coverage and they submitted false claims so that they would get reimbursed for dental work, for medical procedures. That never happened. I read in the report that there was one player who was playing in Taiwan when he was supposedly getting $48,000 worth of root canals. How about that? along with crowns on, what is it, six, seven, eight teeth in the Beverly Hills dental office. But that couldn't have happened because at that time, that individual was playing basketball in Taiwan. How about that, huh? And I did a rant on this. Tony Allen, think about him. He made $40 million in his career, $40 million. And he's involved in this illegal Activity, according to the Feds, how about that, huh? And you know what's crazy? There are a lot of things that are crazy about this. The players, okay, got reimbursed in the range from sixty-five thousand to four hundred and twenty thousand. So you're making over forty million dollars in your career, and you're trying to fraud the league between sixty-five and four hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I hope that they get prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And I hope they go to jail. That's what I hope. This is sickening. It really is. Absolutely brutal. If you have any thoughts on that, just uh, raise your hand, hit that hand icon, and I will get you uh, right on. By the way, uh, NBA Los Angeles is joining New York and San Francisco with their COVID-19 mandate. So what does that mean, All right? It's an ordinance and it goes into effect. I think it was the end of November. I read. So starting that day, uh, indoor gyms, the Staples center, you have to be fully vaccinated. Meaning you have to have 14 days passed since your last dose in order to go into an inside venue. Now, The Lakers and the Clippers said that they're fully vaccinated. The LA Kings also said that their hockey team is fully vaccinated. So we'll see. We'll see. So in LA, it's going to be just like New York and San Francisco. So if you want to go to the Chase Center in San Francisco, you have the same requirement. You have to be fully vaccinated. In New York, you require only one shot of the vaccine to gain entrance to Madison Square Garden and the Barclays Center. Who knows what's going on next? So there's always Kyrie Irving who continues to sit out activities because he's yet to receive a shot. The rest of the Nets, no problem. But not Kyrie Irving. Unbelievable. This guy's such a joke. He really is. Can you imagine having to depend on Kyrie Irving on your team? What an absolute joke. Seriously. I, I, I would never want Kyrie Irving on my team. Never. What what an absolute head case this guy is. Three leaves of absence last year. Comes back after the first one and says he just needs a break. You can't depend on him. You know, he makes absurd, stupid comments. Then he talks about blowing off the media and says, I don't have to talk to him. I mean, the guy is just a, a disgrace. He really is. And now he's the only one on the team not vaccinated in a city that has an ordinance where he's not going to be able to play, practice. I mean, what w- really, talk about letting down your team. I, I, it's disgraceful. It really is. Uh, the Astros now have gone on top by the score of 6 nothing in the bottom of the fifth against the White Sox trying to jump out to an early one-love lead uh, in that series. Again, coming up at 5 o'clock Pacific, you'll have Boston at Tampa. And then 20 minutes after that game starts, you've got the Rams and the Seahawks with Thursday night football. College football, a lot of good games this weekend. Of course, the best game on the card, and you're going to have Penn State and Iowa. Now, the loser of this game is going to have a lot of problem getting into the college football playoff, all right? Now that 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 is pretty much for certain. The winner is going to be in a phenomenal position. When you look at this game and you look at a top five matchup at Iowa, number three against number four, this should be a really good game. A lot of good games this weekend uh, in college football. So this is a really, really good weekend in college football. Really good weekend. You have uh, the – Oklahoma Sooners taking on the Texas Longhorns in that great rivalry. Six against twenty-one. You have Arkansas thirteenth at number seventeen. Ole Miss. You have a but not ranked. I mean, I was going to say you have Georgia, which is a good game. Number two at number eighteen. Auburn, Alabama, number one. Uh, They're on the road at Texas A&M. But again. Uh, The best game on the card is that game on Saturday afternoon in Iowa City. That should be a dandy with Penn State, number four, at Iowa, number three. Hey, raise that uh, hand icon. Come on and ask me a question, and uh, we will do it right here on Listen Up. Uh, So Saturday, the big game is Iowa-Penn State. And then Sunday in the NFL, uh, if you have a lock of the week, if you have an upset of the week, throw it at me. Love to hear what you have to say. But the schedule in week five starts tonight. I like the Rams to beat the Seahawks. I like Buffalo to finally get over the hump and beat Kansas City on Sunday night. I think Arizona will take care of San Francisco on Sunday afternoon. You have the Raiders, I think, will bounce back against the Bears. That is in Las Vegas. Your other games on the card on Sunday, uh, the Jets and the Falcons. You have Green Bay at Cincinnati. Minnesota hosts Detroit. Pittsburgh home to Denver. Miami is at Tampa. New Orleans travels to Washington. Philly is in Carolina. Jacksonville 0-4 home against the 2-2 Titans. New England travels to Houston. Cleveland is at the Chargers. You have the Giants at the Cowboys. And on Monday night, you have Indianapolis at Baltimore. That is your schedule for Week 5 in the NFL. Your big games, obviously tonight is a huge game. NFC West matchup. The Rams coming off that loss to Arizona. The other big games this week, obviously, Buffalo with Kansas City. Very, very interesting game right there. And then you have Cleveland at the Chargers in the AFC with the Chargers rolling. And that should be a very good game. So those are some of the highlights on the schedule. And then, of course, you've got baseball as well. I'm wondering if you are a Giants fan, San Francisco Giants fan, how are you going to plan your weekend. In other words, how are you going to prioritize with uh, everything going on? But you look at this schedule coming up for the Giants and the Dodgers, and you look at game one tomorrow, uh, 6.30 Pacific. Game two, Saturday, 6 o'clock Pacific. So you have games uh, one and two Uh, In San Francisco, then you have the day off on Sunday and then San Francisco at Los Angeles on Monday, uh, 630 Pacific. And then if necessary, Tuesday, and I can't believe it's not going to be necessary. I I, I hope this series goes five. And again, it's another another thing. It's really a shame that it's a short series, Uh, but it is. Uh, what it is. So baseball underway. Again, if you want to talk about last night's dramatic finish in Los Angeles with the Dodgers and the Cardinals, uh, give me a shout. You've got the Astros. They are leading by the score of 6-0, as I said, uh, Boston and Tampa coming up in a little bit. Something else I'm going to talk about on my podcast tomorrow. If you were building an NFL team and I told you you could either have Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, which of the two quarterbacks would you take? When it's all said and done, 15 years from now, assuming that they don't have injuries, would you rather have Burrow of Cincinnati or Herbert of the Chargers? Both look like can't miss stars. Both look like they're going to be the real next carrier of great quarterbacks in the National Football League. I'm wondering who you're taking if you had to choose between those two. I don't know. If you could go wrong, I really don't. But the thing is, Burrow's already had that serious knee injury. But in this day and age, with surgery and everything else, he looks good as new. But when you look at Herbert and you look at Burrow, both look like they can't miss. They really do. They both look incredible. And I think when you look at the Bengals, who have been so bad for so long, I mean, really, they have been so bad for so long, it's only a matter of time before they are in the playoffs every year. They're off to a really good start at 3-1. and one. I mean, that whole division, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Cleveland, all at 3-1. and one. Pittsburgh is the worst team in that division, and when's the last time you could say that? But look at that. Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Cleveland, all 3-1. and one. Now, we talk about the Bengals, and they played on Thursday and then won that game against Jacksonville, they have an interesting matchup. they got to go to Green Bay this week. Then they have at Detroit, and then the divisional game at Baltimore, at the Jets. Then they're home against the Browns. They play the end of the season. Their last game of the year is in Cleveland. That could be for the division. When's the last time you could say that? That Cincinnati and Cleveland in the last game of the season could be for the division, huh? How about that? That is something else right there. That is something else. Alfred, welcome to the show today. How are you, sir? I'm good, Nick. It's always good to talk to you.
0: Thanks for taking the call. Well, great game last night, but you know what I'm thinking? You know, I saw your, your rant, and I'm thinking, and I'm a year older than you, and to me it's just, I look at the box score. I mean, the Dodgers use five pitchers in, uh, in, uh, and the, uh, and the Cardinals use six. That's 11 pitchers. And so I think it's just for me, this is my opinion. You know, back in the day, it used to be, you know, the starter go like five, six, you know, and then, then you had like maybe and the closer like Sparky Lyle or Raleigh Fingers, they would go two, maybe three innings to close and save a game. And now it's so specialized. I mean, it you is. know, yep. it's so, so know, back,
1: special. Back, back back when you and I were watching baseball in the playoffs, actually the pitchers would go the distance a lot of times. They would go more than five or six, they, or they would go eight and then turn it over. But you're right about Raleigh fingers. I remember Goose Gossage in 1978, Al, you know, in the one-game playoff against the Red Sox, he came in with uh, two outs in the seventh inning and then pitched the eighth yeah. and the ninth. So you're 100% correct. You didn't have five and six pitchers. You're exactly right
0: so i think that's where one thing because you know now they're doing the hold up four fingers go to the base yep. but you know what happened was i'm going to tell you in 1988 la russa invented the closer the one-inning closer he with eckersley with that and eckersley, no one, yep. that that and i have to look at this i'm pretty confident i'm right because i don't think anybody was doing the closer the closer was sparky or raleigh or goose or someone going two, three foot. That that was the the one inning guy. Like then Mariano Rivera, Rivera, and, and Eck. It's the one inning guy. All he does is one inning. The, the lat the, the ninth. He doesn't do any other inning. You never saw Rivera. I think one time in his history, I watched in a playoff where he actually might have come in in the eighth. Yeah, he didn't come, like, the, he didn't, didn't come
1: in the eighth very much. Uh, he did occasionally, no. but not very much.
0: Yeah, and then I mean, you know maybe, here's another one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, here's I'm another sure. funny memory. Sorry to interrupt you. You know, when I was a kid, I'm sitting in fourth grade, it's 1968. I'm sitting in my fourth grade class and Mrs. Uthgraph has the, has a world series on the radio. I'm in my fourth because of the, the games were, were played during the day. They were yes. played during the week. And, and, and yeah. so, you know, you don't, you didn't, it was so weird. They didn't have the, you know, every game on the TV and 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 that so that was a, a memory that i had i remember the, the 68 series with bob gibson's uh, cardinals and Denny mcclain's tigers and it was on the radio in, in class
1: yeah we all used to do that i mean it was so it was it's a, it, was, it, was, it was a different time then and it's a, a different time now uh without yeah. question you know another great relief pitcher in that era that you're talking about was kent to of the pirates you know he was great you know he had that submarine coming in uh delivery and he he was tremendous for pittsburgh when the we are family team and everything like that so yeah there i understand where you're coming from uh the game is totally different now and it's very specialized i think it's too specialized i'm not a fan of the shift Uh, i'm not a fan of all the pitchers um and again the game last night it's hard to believe that a nine inning game that's one, yeah. one going into the bottom of the ninth with only a combined twelve hits can last four hours and fifteen minutes. That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, you know I, it is, and I, you know, you're you're like me. We're from a different generation, I, and I yep. kind of miss that. It's just overly specialized. And just real quick, I mean, I just as far as my Rams, I mean, you know, everybody's abandoning ship. You know, for, you know, I'm not abandoning my team. I never would. Fifty-four yeah, years. They're, of three. they're three and
1: one. They're they're in they're in fine. They're fine. They're three and one. Yeah, and
0: I I think that, you know, maybe it was a wake-up call because, you know, everybody's talking Super Bowl and MVP for Stafford. And, you know, maybe they just needed this because, you know, maybe they're breeding their press clippings. But now I'm seeing the Cardinals, you know, and they're really – they're talking about the game all week long. They're talking about this game. I got to tell you, I got to feel the Niners – you spoke about this with the Seattle last week. I got to think the Niners are kind of in a position with Seattle as you spoke to the must-win backs to the wall you know, that. I think that's where I have the Niners now and maybe they could sneak up and, and they're going to be my upset for the week. I mean, I'm going yeah, to, I got them. Beaten. something.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'd be surprised if they do only because Trey Lance, if he starts, I don't think he's ready for that assignment, but you're right. They're in a very difficult situation. If San Francisco loses this week, now all of a sudden they're in a big hole that they have to climb out of. So I like the Rams tonight, by the way. I think they're going to beat Seattle. I'm not a fan of the road team on Thursday night football. I hate Thursday night football with divisional opponents. I don't think Thursday night football should have teams playing within the same division. They're too big of games, but I think the Rams are going to find out. I think they're going to win the game tonight. I really do. I I like the Rams tonight.
0: Oh, I, I, you know what, Dave, don't get me started on, on the Thursday night games. For me, it's like the league's so hypocritical. I mean, just play the Thursday, Thanksgiving, one one yep. night, one Thursday. You. you know, you can't – these guys can't be ready. And the league talks about player safety. They, they don't care about player safety. No,
1: they don't. They don't care they, at all.
0: All they care about is, hey, players are like, you know – they come and go. The league is the is this, but, you know, they play a game every Thursday. And I mean, you're right. They, they, the division, division games are so significant. I mean, I'm not just on board with it because my team's on the road tonight. I, I totally agree with you,
1: 100%. Hey, thanks, man. You have a great weekend, okay? Thank you very much. Thanks for taking the call. Always good to talk to you. Always good to talk to you, too. Really appreciate that. If you want to come on, just like Al, all you got to do is hit that hand icon. Uh, raise your hand, and I will put you right on. I am not a fan of Thursday night football with divisional opponents. I do not think that, other than Thanksgiving, that would be the lone exception, I do not think that there should be divisional games played on Thursday nights. They're big bigger games. You know, like the Rams and the Seahawks should not be playing on a Thursday night, in my opinion. I think last year we had or two years ago in that real big, big year, not last year, you had Seattle and San Francisco on a Thursday night. I hate that. I hate divisional games on a Thursday night. You know, have have games outside of your division on a Thursday night. And I'm not saying that those games aren't important, but they're not as important as divisional games. Divisional games, you should be playing on a full week's rest and not on three days rest on Thursday night football. Absolutely hate that. Absolutely uh, hate that. So, what are your thoughts on that? Again, if you want to get on, hit that hand icon, uh, raise your hand, and uh, we will uh, do it. You know, um, interesting what Lamar Jackson had to say. Uh, I believe it was earlier today. said he's not really looking for any special treatment, but he said, quote, I just feel we should be protecting all quarterbacks in the league, not just myself. Everyone should be included in that, especially while we're in the pocket, our leg area, and stuff like that. Football is football. Guys get aggressive. Sometimes stuff happens. Probably don't mean it. I'd like the ref to throw the flag though. If they catch it, I don't know what the hell Lamar's talking about. The refs throw the flag all the time. When you put a hand on a quarterback, I mean, I don't understand where he's coming from. You know, he was asked about putting extra pads on. He said, I feel like if I put extra pads on and stuff like that, I'll be looking like a transformer. I don't want to be slowed down, but you know, again, uh, I don't really understand what he's talking about. I mean, if anything, I think that the league protects the quarterbacks too much. So I'm not sure where that's coming from. And if you are a Browns fan, it was revealed that Baker Mayfield has a partially torn labrum in his left shoulder. The good news is that he's throws with his right arm. I guess... This injury occurred back in week two when he actually tried to make a tackle against Houston. He's been wearing a harness since then. The reason why I bring that up is he was terrible on Saturday. He did manage to walk out off the field as a winner, but he completed less than 50% of his passes. He threw for only, a I think it was 155 yards. And he said, quote, I really do not think it's that complicated. Everybody is going to try and make an excuse. I pretty much hit on it after the game. I just have to make the damn play. It's just that simple. So I I'm I don't I don't know enough about a Torn Labor, I now if we're on his right uh right side then it, he's not playing. So, you know, again, uh it's on his left arm. Uh he can play and as he said he's playing a harness. So, just a couple of tidbits around the National uh, Football League. The uh, Packers, as I think you probably know, uh, they reached an agreement with Jalen Smith, who was very interestingly waived by Dallas. So they did not waste any time uh, picking up Smith. And it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, up there Uh, in Green Bay. Green Bay suffered a bad injury at practice. Um, I believe it was yesterday that Chauncey Rivers tore an ACL at the end of practice. So they pick up Smith. That's not a bad move for them. That's not a bad move at all. And I think with the way Micah Parsons has played for Dallas, I think that they just feel that with Leighton Van Der Esch, and I, I think they feel like they're pretty good. Neal is coming back from the COVID-19 list as well for Dallas. You know, Smith. Remember, if he was that—I think a second-round pick in 26. Yeah, it was a second-round pick, and he had suffered a brutal injury in his final collegiate game, and he was a really good story because of the injury that he suffered. And but now he is with Green Bay, uh, and we'll see how that works out. All right, let's get you caught up on a, a couple of uh, – the, on the score going on in Major League Baseball. Told you the Astros are now on top 6 nothing. Uh, that game is in the bottom of the sixth. And then you have the Red Sox tonight uh, and Tampa. And then tomorrow, the National League, of course, with the Giants and the Dodgers. And I, if that series does not go five games, we've all been cheated. That's a series – that absolutely needs to go the distance and have that fifth game in San Francisco with all the marbles on the table for the right to move on to the NLCS. How great would that be? Can you imagine the atmosphere in that ballpark for a game five? That would be absolutely incredible. But game one tomorrow in San Francisco, I'm not really sure that home field means that much in this series. As you and I both know, it's going to come down to pitching. And it's going to come down the defense. And it is going to be a fun, fun series. That is tomorrow, uh, game one. And it should be an absolute dandy of a series. We've all been waiting for it. And it's now going to start tomorrow. John, you're on with Grant here on Listen App. Go ahead, John. Hey, Grant.
2: Uh, just wondering if you checked out the Kings game, the preseason game. I know preseason doesn't matter, but um, the outcome doesn't matter. But I just want to check out the players usually and how they're kind of functioning together.
1: I haven't watched them, so I couldn't tell you. Um, I, I couldn't answer that. I'll start paying attention on opening night, but as far as preseason, I don't really pay attention to individual performances. The game's not accessible to me where I'm at anyway, So, but I will start watching all the games beginning on opening night, but I really can't help you, so I'll ask you, what do you think? Well, uh, I don't
2: have many thoughts, but I do think Davion Mitchell is going to be competing with Rashawn Holmes for most popular blue-collar player, blue-collar worker-type player for the Kings. He yeah, seems to be a hard worker, a great defender or not great, but like good for a rookie for sure. Yep. And um, so they're going to be a competition between those two for that title.
1: <laughs> but um, you there. there's no doubt about that. That's a very good point that you just made. And the fans are going to love that. Cause that's the Sacramento fans. They love players like that. They want guys that, you know, work hard on every play. And we know that Holmes does that. And it'll look based on summer league and you know, what I'm hearing from Mitchell, he'll be doing the same thing. The, the problem for Luke and I say problem they got a log jam in the backcourt. I don't know how you're going to get minutes for everyone. That's going to be very interesting to see how Luke Walton coaches that unless there's a trade here in the next week or two.
2: Yeah, another thing on a general NBA note on the Clippers, I was watching this kid, Brandon Boston Jr., and uh, he seemed pretty smooth and for a rookie as well, pretty smooth and pretty good. I checked the draft. He drafted fifty first. I was like, how, I did know. That,
1: how did that happen? You know. You know, it's interesting you say that. I'm doing my podcast tomorrow, and I'm talking about drafts and how difficult and how unscientific they are. And again, it's only preseason, and I know you made that point. Uh, but he does look really good. He already looks like a steal in the draft, based on what I'm hearing as well out of Los Angeles. So, you know, again, there are players every year in the draft that you look at. Like, for instance, you know, I did this four years ago. In the De'Aaron Fox draft, Josh Jackson went fourth ahead of De'Aaron Fox. He's a big time bust. He's a flat out bust. But you know, when you look at the Clippers and you look at a, a pick like that, uh, as you said, what was it, fifty first in the second round out of Kentucky? He's been unbelievable, and he—I've been hearing great things about him just in practice.
2: Yeah, for sure. He looked good again. He looked pretty good. I mean, he looked raw and uh, but skilled and uh, still pretty good for 51st. he He's got to be a steal.
1: Geez. Yeah, didn't he have 20 points last night? I think against the Kings. So, um, you know, again, I, I don't put a lot in the preseason, so sure. I don't want to get carried away here. I really don't. Sure. But I know that he was not. He was not very good uh, at Kentucky. He just was not. He wasn't like when you think of Kentucky, you think, "Oh, wow!" You know, you think, "Wow, this guy is going to be uh, great." And but he is his freshman year at Kentucky. He was really well. He look at where he was drafted. That tells you all you need to know. Well, isn't isn't sometimes that people don't work well with cat? They don't work out so well with cat. Yes, Kat, uh, yes, and that's very true. And that's sometimes. true of a, sometimes you know, players. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. OK, thanks, hey John. Thank you. That was a good call. But, John, trust me, once the games start going for real, you can ask me any question about the players and I'll have the answer. I just don't really pay that close attention to preseason basketball, because in my experience, I, I, I don't really gain a lot of knowledge from it. It's kind of a necessary evil, John. And I don't think I think you got to be careful not to put too much in the preseason.
2: For sure, I agree. The outcome's totally meaningless. The, the The Kings' opponents have been playing. The two opponents have been playing a lot more of their 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 uh, yes, deserves sure. than the Kings. Kings playing. Yeah, more like Phoenix.
1: Starters. You know, Phoenix. They didn't play Booker. They didn't play Paul. You know, Money Money Williams doesn't need to play Chris Paul and Devin Booker in the preseason. He already knows what he has there. So yeah, it's very very true. Very true. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, man. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Again, the NBA season starts on what the nineteenth. So. Yeah, I'll be watching it, paying attention, and we'll be having a lot of fun with it. We might even do a game where we're watching and talking about a game. So, you know, we'll do a game watch and we'll have some fun. There are a lot of possibilities here uh, on this app, which I really, really, really like. Uh, Tomorrow, we will go over the entire NFL schedule. We will also get you ready for the Giants and the Dodgers. We will talk about today's playoff action. That is all. Coming up for you tomorrow. Hey, I want to just say thank you again for your support. Uh, Get the word out that I'm doing this on weeknights at 3 o'clock Pacific. We'd love to build up the audience. I need more interaction. So, you know, if you want to raise your hand, I'll put you right on. It's easy to do. Uh, But tomorrow I want your lock of the week. I want your upset of the week. Uh, We'll talk a little college football. Again, we'll get more into that Iowa-Penn State game with 3 at 4. That's the big game on the card. You know, you got baseball galore. And then, you know, before you know it, we'll be talking regular season basketball. But again, I put very little stock into what I see in preseason basketball, including individual performances. I just don't really put much faith into it. A lot of the veterans that I've covered in the NBA don't go full speed. They're not really out there doing anything other than getting a workout. You know, they don't really game plan. Uh, Rookies are going to go balls out, obviously, because they want to impress. But a lot of times they're not going against starters. They're not even going against top line reserves. A lot of times they're playing against the other teams, 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15 men. And so I got to just be careful when someone wants to talk about preseason performances. My experience is you can get a lot of false, a lot of false positives, so to speak, (laughs) when it comes to evaluating talent in the preseason. I would say the same thing for non-playoff teams in April. There have been more mistakes made in the last few weeks of a regular season by general managers because a player excelled in the final few weeks in meaningless games. I have a very difficult time gauging players in meaningless games. I need to see him play in the real deal. You know, again, you talk about Mitchell for Sacramento and how good he's looked on defense. Well, I want to see how good he looks in week or the opening night playing against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. All right. If he can slow down those guys, then I'll be impressed, all right? But I'm not as impressed watching him take on, you know, a kid in summer league who's not even going to be on an NBA roster, okay? I'll be impressed when I see him give Damian Lillard and C.J. McCullum a hard time. Then I'll be impressed when Phoenix comes to town and he's able to guard, you know, Devin Booker. And when Jazz come in, you know, early in the season and he's able to get on Donovan Mitchell, and and make life difficult for those guys. That's when I'll say, okay, you got yourself a heck of a defender, right? I know his work ethic's going to be there, but I also don't know how the officials are going to call fouls if he's overly aggressive. Is he going to get a touch foul? Is he going to be in foul trouble? How long is it going to take for him to learn all of that? There are a lot of variables that go into playing defense in the NBA, but the NBA is the key word. NBA is talking about the best of the best at the guard lineup. And in the NBA, I want to see how a guy does, you know, you're talking about Golden State when they come in early in the season. Well, they've got players named Steph Curry and Klay and Thompson. You know, if you can guard those guys, then you're elite defenders. So he's going to get a test early when he's on the floor. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Luke Walton is able to divide the minutes in the backcourt for Sacramento. All right, so make it a great rest of the day. I'll be with you tomorrow at 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock Eastern, and we will have a lot to talk about. Enjoy your baseball playoffs. Get ready for a big weekend in football. We'll talk about it tomorrow right here on Listen App. Grant Napier saying, so.